everybody. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Thinking Drinkers podcast 2023, where we will be continuing to tell you what to drink each week. And we're going to give you damn good reasons to drink it, even if they are a little tenuous. It's a new year and I'm facing on Zoom a new and an improved and a slightly grumpy looking Thomas Sandham. How are we hello, doing? hello, Ben. Uh, happy New Year to you happy and to all our pod followers. I am slightly grumpy because my house is uh, currently being knocked down. Uh, the back of the house is now a wreck. Uh, they've taken it off. And uh, if listeners are enjoying the bassy tones of drilling that's uh that's an unavoidable uh, side effect of this whole process so apologies for that but yeah we'll probably get a bit of drilling going on throughout our our pod this week that aside um, well, it adds a bit of gritty reality to the whole thing gritty's a word i mean um, what dusty. i find what i find is quite often podcasts are too polished but we're bringing some real organic approach to it yeah and i yeah. think if they're not I'm listening to that. And what are they doing? They're knocking off the uh, pebble dash. They are actually <laughs> drilling off pebble dash, uh, which they've not been doing for a couple of days. So we thought it'd be a safe time to get our pod recorded. And what do you know? Straight away, as soon as we press record, they start up again. I can't tell them to stop, Ben. It's costing me a fortune. Yeah. So I'm going but to when you do speak to them, um, do you change your accent? Do you drop some consonants about? Yeah, I don't want to look like a mug. I mean, what do you say? So let's say I'm the builder, and obviously you're offering offering me a cup of tea. How would you say that? I'd say a cup of splosh. Anyone want a cup of splosh? Cup of splosh. Cup of splosh. Yeah, milk two sugars. Yeah, yeah, boys. Boys. Oh, yeah, oh, I've got yeah, your scaffold up. Get old. Get old. Yeah, I talk about like rear elevations and uh, what's the SCBJs? What's well, that? yeah, I mean, the rear CB. elevation I found when I was looking at it, I told them this this was what I said to them as an existing cast in position concrete lintel, which is uh, it's wider than the proposed design. So, uh, space consulting, we've added another steel plate, added the steel to the support wall. Above, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. um, yeah, and the cast concrete beam it was based on the suggestions oh, we yeah. originally did the drawings. We means we've got to place the steel below the ceiling level. Uh, so yeah, I was talking to him about that this morning. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oldest oh, yeah. game in the world. And I said, What you want to do really is charge me another couple of grand for that, mate. Oh, yeah, and yeah, he said, Yeah, all right, I'll do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, of course, that's going to cost you what well, I normally cost you this, but because I know someone, I can get you this. And mm, rah, rah, rah. Yeah. But to be fair, when I pop round uh, your gaff, and they do seem to know what they're doing. <laughs> they're builders. I'll give them that. They are builders. They can't, I mean, you can't fake that sort of shit, really, can you, Ben? They turn yeah. up in builders' vans, and they've got builders' tools, and uh, and they have built some of a new house. So, yeah. Have I you mean, got it's... a portal outside your house? We have. It's, right, it's, right, it's been outside the... Um outside the the living room window for the last four weeks right over christmas so it was next to the christmas tree it's nice little backdrop you put any tinsel on it to sort of make incorporate it (laughs) did not no uh not interested just looking forward to getting out for a little while i'm going to go and move back in with my mum and dad um which is very nice how old are you accommodate (laughs) (laughs) not old enough not old enough (laughs) Uh, you can always go back, can't you, Mum? Actually, it's my dad I fear for, really, with my toe rag kids. Um, so that's what's going on in my life. That's the new story here for yeah. anyone who's interested. The new story, if you're watching the YouTube version, and we are getting new subscribers on our YouTube channel. All so the time. 
Thinking Drinkers YouTube channel, you'll see these things get they pop up there, and we, you'll see our faces, and you'll see there's something new that's slugged its way across Ben's face. Oh yeah, it's a like new year. It's well. a new me, Tom. There's two <laughs> things that's going on uh, in January for me this month. Is I'm doing dry January. Uh, it's, <sighs> it's pretty boring, uh, yeah. uh, but it's going all right. Day eleven, right? Eleven, I'm doing all right. Um, I bought lots of beers from Dry Drinker. We're not being paid by them at all. I just mm. bought. I actually bought some beers for once, right. and they're good. Got a selection. Some are awful, mate. Some are dreadful. Some are good. Um, in fact, the ones, the best ones, I think, are the um, are the lagers that are quite neutral tasting when they do have alcohol in them. If you start yeah. mucking about with beers that are supposed to have loads of character, you realise that alcohol plays a bit of a part in that. Anyway, this is not, it's just a, just a, more of a health kick, really. Uh, and also, I thought that January would be a good opportunity to experiment with some uh, facial hair. Yeah. Uh, in a, in a, in the form of a moustache. And there's mm-hmm. several reasons for that. Firstly, I'm not going out much, so... Why not see what I can do with my face? <laughs> yeah. Uh, secondly, uh, Sophie, my, the uh, current Mrs. McFarland, uh, has got obsessed with Rob Delaney. She really loves him, mm. uh, the comedian Canadian, and he he's rocking a moustache. And I was having mm. a shave the other day, and I thought, all right, well, I can't can't be as tall as him. Mm. I can't be as handsome as him. Can't probably be as funny as him. Or a successful. Or a success, certainly not. Not when I'm tethered to you. Um, but I can grow my stars like him, sort yeah. of. So yeah. there's a bit of that. Um, yeah, it's what's quite weird about it, I find, is that how dark it is. Because anyone who's seen us perform on stage in real life in recent times will know Ben's hair is almost completely white now. Um, yeah, and great. yet your moustache is... And my eyebrows. Yeah, black, which is... So I look like a cross between a deviant Guess Who character and a mm. Mr. Potato Head. Yeah. In old age potato, like a... With grey mm. hair. Slightly. Bad enough. Well, well, I mean, it looks like someone's injected the colour into your toes and sort of hung you upside down. And <laughs> by the time it's got to your head, it, the colour's sort of faded a bit like a felt-tip pen. Like but, what's, um, but what colour are your pubes? Are they... Um... They are. They're still uh, a dark. They're very are dark. They? Yeah. yeah, but with the odd little rogue grey one. Yeah, grey I mean, ones that they, they they poke out because they send to me more coarse in their um, texture, so they ping. Hmm. They're easy to pluck out. Um, it's, I wouldn't say it's salt and pepper down there. No. Okay. Um, I mean, I'm getting that in my chest hair, which is yeah, abundant. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I'm getting a few grey hairs on my head. I'm lucky enough to have all. And most of my hair and uh, natural, although it's thinning, but it is a natural colour. People ask if I diet. I don't. It's going a bit grey. Uh, but you are definitely. Yeah, gray. I've got the Alistair da- Darling thing mm. going on because it's. I've got dark eyebrows, a dark moustache, but grey hair. Well, <laughs> I met someone the other day over Christmas who had a baby, uh, a young baby. And as I was talking to her, not the baby, the mum. The baby just went eyebrows. <laughs> <laughs> the first word it was eyebrows. It was just, it was just so desperate yeah, to say something, and that was that was it. Eyebrows. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I'd grow a moustache. I can't, as you know, weirdly, my facial hair is uh, is ginger. 
Um, I was born a ginger, but uh, I went to the the dark side and um, I reformed. I had the necessary operations (laughs) and chemical implants. Yeah. uh, But my beard still is ginger. So if I grew a moustache, I'd have a similar problem to you, but I'd have sort of black hair and then a ginger orange slug under my nose. So I shan't be joining you. No, that would be a shame. But Mm. the upside of that is should you grow a moustache and it becomes ginger it would segue seamlessly into our first drink of the year tom yes um because uh that wasn't planned but well done that was good. <laughs> oh well there we are that's the sort of natural geniuses yeah. we are yeah. when it comes to segue yeah such chemistry um because it is uh this week we've got seven days to pick from uh in january from our book the thinking drink is our one this is the source of all this revelry and fun and it is the Thursday, the twelfth. In uh, is National Kiss a Ginger Day, and it's also Hot Toddy Day. So we combine the two because you can make. Uh, well, well, I'll tell you what we're going to make in a, in a minute. But also, it's rather apt because there's a big ginger man in the news at the moment. Yes, of course. And it's not Ben Stokes. No. It's um, not... Uh, Damien Lewis. It's not Damien Lewis. Um, um, it's not... Um, it's not Charlie Dimmock. Even though uh, De Bruyne. It's not De Kevin Bruyne. De Bruyne. No, no, no. no. It's um, none of those. It's Harry. Yay! Because, as you will have probably noticed, he's been in the news a little bit. I think he's written a book. Uh, and he's kicking off. What do you think? About he's read Harry? a book. He's read a book as well. Look, yeah. our book. Our book's got a sort of <laughs> orange hue, hasn't it? I've just noticed. So we've got a ginger book to go f- against up against Harry's. Um, yeah. Well, let's. Let, why don't we just polarize the entire audience and discuss what we think about the whole very quickly? I know okay. people are probably bored of it, but let's go. Let's very I'm, quickly. I couldn't really give a thought- shit. No, couldn't give a shit. Really, I mean that's the bottom line. Um, um, but also, you know, if he wants to make a bit of money, uh, fair enough. I think he's he's proving a lot of points with his book. I saw him interviewed on the Late Show over in America, and they were uh, he was pointing out that there was a big headline over the number of people he'd killed in Afghanistan, mm-hmm. and it was being put out there as a boast. Uh, and as he pointed out, if you actually read the chapter in its entire context, that line has just been stripped away from hundreds of other words around the subject in which he is clearly not boasting. And no. the tabloid press has just taken one sentence and turned it into a boast. And I think that really kind of sort of sums up his entire relationship with anger. Him. Yeah. Yeah. And you just think, well, yeah, fair enough, mate. I can see it's probably. It's probably a bit irritating, really. That said, um, you know, if you're born into that, if God has chosen you, let's As lest we forget, yeah, lest we forget, it was that's God what who done. them there. That's what he's done. <laughs> he did that. He chose them to be our monarchs. Uh, then just get on with it to an extent. It's like it's a pretty privileged position, and most of us have, have you know, got builders taking a house down because they can't afford to move to a bigger house. Yeah. Um, and he's got Buckingham Palace. So, you know, yeah. just get on with it. Yeah, um, I mean, I quite like, you know, I watched the ITV, uh, the last 20 minutes of it. And I think he was all right. Yeah. He was all right. I'm a bit like you, he's losing his hair and he needs to either 
shit will go off the pot, get rid of it, or you know, mm, that's it. It's a bit more severe than my hair loss. Yeah, but he's that's got, where he, I'm going. He's got that good posh. He's got that posh no hair look. Yeah, isn't he? Um, and then, uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe his, maybe his his wife who is she is gorgeous. Mm, maybe lovely. she is quite high maintenance, but most of them are mate. Mm. The good ones well, are, I think. Well, I, I mean, what I like about it is whenever these royal stories come out, is how many people know someone who knows someone. Oh, yeah. Um, and my wife, my lovely wife Claire, um, her friend, wife. her friend knows someone who knows someone. Oh, really? So he's got got stories, I'm sure, oh, to share. Oh. That, uh, you know, what that, is uh, she... a third, fourth, fifth hand, and <laughs> really, what's uh, the story? Is she? Is she? Is she... Oh no, no! I, I mean, I don't. I, I sort of, if anyone starts talking to me about it, really, I tend to just be a bit like, blah 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 blah. blah, blah. Yeah, what's going on? I really do need to get a pint of milk and uh, and do a shit. That's where my mind goes uh, because I'm not really that interested. So I don't know what the story. Also, are. I'm just amazed by how many people can get so angry about it mm. because, I mean, whatever you still don't know them. No. No. I think a lot of people want to have an opinion about it because it makes them feel as if they know them. And yeah, they don't. They don't. And like when the Queen died, they don't know. You, you can queue up, but you're not part of it. You're really, you're really. not part. Well, of you it. kind of are in that you paid. Yeah, you're part of the queue. You're, you're part, part of, the of the You're part of the funding exercise yeah. as well. I mean, it's it's essentially I mean, I could just. Go, a... I could go to a random person's funeral up the road, but it doesn't mm. mean I'm part of the family. No, um, uh, I mean, they're, in many ways, they're the original. Um, online funding operation, aren't they? The monarchy, they just we all pay for it, so I suppose people feel a vested interest. I will say, in terms of the Harry thing, I walked in and my wife was watching the Netflix documentary oh, yeah. Oh, that yeah, yeah, yeah. they made about themselves. Um, and they seem to be wittering on about the intrusion on their privacy, and they'd escaped it all to go and live in Hollywood. Um, mm. and they were staying in a place in Hollywood and complaining about you know the intrusion on their. Privacy, and all I'd say is that seems like a place where people who enjoy publicity go rather than hide from it. So yeah. I'd go somewhere a bit where more. Where would you discreet. go? Where would you go? With but if I really wanted to hide, escape from the paps, and I didn't think people, were going, I'd probably go to someone like Milton Keynes, knowing full well that no one would ever think put, I was that, in Milton that'll Keynes. Put off, a lot, put off a lot of people. Let's mm. go. I'm not going there. I can't be bothered. It's, no, we we did a good show, Milton Keynes. In fact, yeah, we it. did Milton Keynes the night um, that the, the Queen, Queen died. died. Yeah, and we you still had to, had to go um, on stage. <laughs> you had to to announce it whilst dressed in nothing else, nothing but a pair of beige skin coloured pants, whilst looking forlorn, having just slept out of a monkey suit. Uh, I mean, it, it was, was the worst tribute to a monarch ever. Anyway, well, until now, because I'm about to talk about one. Yeah, so there we go, monarchy. So, um, but yeah, the reason, sorry, yes. the reason for well, uh, this well, part is... of me, reason, part of me, re- uh, mentioning uh, Prince Harry and the fact that he's ginger on Kiss of Ginger Day is that there are quite a few parallels. There's an analogy to be made between him and um, Ed. Edward the Seventh, who uh, was a bit of a naughty boy as well, he was a bit of a, a rogue royal as well. And it's it's um, he's the man that our drink is was originally made for. We're going to be drinking King's Ginger Liqueur, mm. and it was given to the um, 
uh, King Edward the Seventh because he was a bit of a player. He used to drive around in his um, open top Daimler, um, which uh, used to give him the the chills. And so the royal uh, physician uh, ordered Berry Brothers and Rudd, who were the oldest um, oldest wine merchants in in the UK, still going, uh, do very nice wines and that. They all they all they asked them to come up with a, a sort of cockle warming winter liqueur to keep him warm whilst driving around. And they came up with King's Ginger. And it's lovely gear. It's um it's about 25% ABV. Love it's made with um real ginger, a bit of citrus in there, and it's really versatile and it goes really well in a hot toddy, mm. which is also hot toddy day today. Um um, and it's it's got it's 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 love lovely gear. But what was more interesting, really, um, is that oh, I've been looking into King Edward the Seventh, or uh, or Bertie as he's called, because he was called Albert Edward, and he was the son of Victoria. But he was a he was like the rogue son. She she really didn't like him because he was always getting up to mischief. He was always um he he um he basically had loads of affairs. He was a real womanizer. Um, and but he wasn't womanized. He was playing golf, shooting fluffy animals. He he had tattoos. Um, he smoked cigars, and he ate a lot of food. But he was also a bit of a fashion icon as well. Um, and he sort of he did kind of what Prince Harry has done in a way, in so much as he, when he was sort of ostracized from the core family, he he went and lived abroad. And he went to Paris. Because it, it, um, he knew that Queen Victoria was not going anywhere for a long time, a bit like Charles must feel, must have felt, and so he went to Paris and he, um, and he basically was a playboy over there. And at the time, the French and the English really didn't like each other very much. There'd been about eight hundred years of fisticuffs. Um, but he went so even going there to, to live there was seen as controversial. But when he got there, he. Um, uh, he really, he really played it up in Paris, um, and he had he had uh, affairs with just loads of women, loads. Of, he, uh, Winston Churchill's mum, he has an affair with, apparently. <clears throat> Alex, uh, I mean, the list. If I was to list the amount of women that he's re- re- reported to have, have bedded, it would go on and on. Um, one of his mistresses was Alice Keppel, hmm. Uh, and that that um because a lot of his affairs were kind of hidden and have not been um confirmed they're alleged but this one is real um Alice Alice Keppel was one of his main mistresses um and Alice Keppel is Camilla's great grandmother no the second wife of King Edward of King Edward's great great grandson so how Ooh. does that relate her to the current king uh, well, it doesn't really. No. Oh, well, I suppose it does. It makes. Wait a minute. Oh, I can't. It's not, oh, it doesn't make know. her his sister, at least. It doesn't mean they've like got eight <laughs> fingers or anything like that. No. No, no. It'd be no. like. No, it's just because they didn't. King Charles is not a production. Uh, of a production. <laughs> a production. He wasn't it's made not, by. He wasn't, he wasn't made manufactured by Miller's great grandmother. <laughs> okay. No, he didn't come out of great. Camilla's great grandmother's what's it? Right. Okay. So I'm not saying there's any incest involved, but it's all a bit cozy. Yeah, it is a bit, isn't it? Yeah. But I suppose that's just the nature of their lives, isn't it? Though, if yeah, you're going to knock exactly. around with the, I think that's why Megan causes such a stir. Isn't well, it? so she did. Comes, well, this is comes it. from outside of but, the circle of trust. 
but yeah. but the, the parallels are uncanny, Thomas, because um, Albert, his dad, uh, who I think is has something else named after him, Prince Albert. Yeah, the uh, the thing, the little yeah. bolt that goes for your, you know, winky woo, winky woo. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, he died. Uh, <clears throat> obviously. We can Everyone put a picture of that. Eventually. We can put a picture of that on the. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'll tell you what. I'm going to put another picture of something kinky on as well. Um, but Prince Albert, Victoria's fella, died after getting pneumonia, and he got pneumonia whilst apparently going to visit Dirty Bertie, as he was called, mm. um, after he had an affair with an actress, and he was so annoyed with him, he he drove down. I think he might have driven to, gone to Paris or was gone somewhere, but basically caught cold whilst going to tell his son off and then when he came back he died and so Queen Victoria who already thought her son was a villain blamed him for the death of her own husband ah. which is a bit harsh yeah. but I mean there's there's form for don't don't if you don't if you want to piss off the Queen having a, having a relationship with an actress yeah. outside the royal circles yeah. so um I see but nice. he was also he was also uh, a bit of a fashion. <laughs> well, I mean, and actually, this is where the parallel drops off because Harry is not much of a fashion icon, unless of course you want to go into certain German uniforms. Yeah, which no, they're never going to come become cool, and he shouldn't have done that. Um, but he was uh, uh, before uh, um, Prince Albert, uh, not Prince Albert. Uh, Edward the Seventh. Sorry, I'm getting my royals mixed up. They're all called Albert, Edward, Henry, yeah, you know, George, Charles, George, bloody hell, <clears throat> Harry. They just yeah, they just put a Connor in there or something like that. Um, Jeez. but he he before before he 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 was a real fashion icon. So he introduced a dinner jacket, the uh, turn up, the trouser turn up. That was his um his whole uh, idea. He's because he was also a fat, fat sod as well. He used to eat a lot, eat and drink a lot. Um, he ate to his, his nickname. Another one of his nicknames was Tum Tum. Tum Tum. Yeah, because he had a big tum tum. Because he had a big tum tum. Nice. He looked a bit like if you uh, if you look at him, he looked a bit like Clement Freud. Yeah. Okay. Uh, really, I mean, it's it's uncanny again. Um, um, but because he ate so much, and so, um. He he was the man that first undid the bottom button on his jackets and vests and waistcoats, and he did that so because he was too fat to get on his horse without pinging the button off. And Ooh, that now it's uh, and yeah, now now you have to do yeah, that. Yeah, don't yeah, you? yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's a sartorial rule. Yeah. Mm. Uh, so he was a bit of an influencer. Mm. Uh, God, man, these influencers trying to write about booze is so annoying, isn't it? Uh, uh, he asked his tailor to cut off the tails of his jacket, uh, his sort of, um, you know, his morning suit. He didn't like that. Right. In doing so, he invented the tuxedo. <sighs> made tweed very popular as well. Well, that's more of a crime than a sartorial. I don't mind now. a bit of tweed. Yeah, it doesn't surprise tweed. me with that moustache. Yes. Uh, it's a bit itchy, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. It's and then when it rains, it smells. It stinks. Yeah. Anyway, so he um, uh, so he did that. He was a, and then when he did become king, he was really good at it. 
Eventually, she died, Queen Victoria. She did die. And can I just point out, Ben, that she died on the 22nd of January. So we probably won't return to Queen Victoria uh, on the podcast. Uh, So a nod to her um, because she was a big whiskey fan. She was a big drinker herself, wasn't she? Um, She So that's quite 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 close to this date um and when we go through the book and we're wondering what the hell to talk about in the next podcast we'll probably go oh death of queen victoria and we'll realize we've overcooked we've overcooked the royals here big old unit anyway we don't need to she she drank too much i think but she died she she kept going for a while and event but i mean basically london or britain rather was a pretty miserable place when there when she was in charge and then when he took over he was much more relaxed, and and Britain was about to get into bed with not literally, to in but there was whole loads of machinations in Europe, and they were going to join forces with Germany, Italy, Russia, Austria, all those powers, and because they hated the French, but because he'd been living in Paris and loved the French, when he became king, he he basically facilitated the end of the um, of French fisticuffs and introduced the Entente Cordiale and Britain yeah. and France became buddies again. Um, and he was really, uh, basically, he was much more relaxed. He brought the, the monarchy back to the people, which is maybe what Harry's trying to do. Who maybe. knows, Tom? Yeah. Mm. Um, but I don't think he cares about the people so much, no. does he? Well, I don't know. I think Harry's probably more... I think he wants to be one of... Well, I think he wants to be one of the people. I think that's the point, isn't yeah. it? Doesn't yeah. doesn't really... But one with thirteen thirteen million pound, fourteen million pound advance on his book. Is that it? Which um, that's about double what we got. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, a couple of things I need to add to this is that he, when he was in Paris, he used to go to a lot of uh, how can I say this high class uh, cat houses, ladies of the night. Yeah. Yes. Um. Uh, and he had his famous was the infamous Le Chabonnet. Hmm. Uh, he he was so po- he's such a regular visitor. He had his own room there uh, with his coat of arms above his bed, and he had this really cool copper bathtub, uh, uh, which weirdly Salvador Dali bought hmm. some years later. But he also had a love chair. And I'm going to put this in the comment. A link to it. It is weird. It's really it? weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's look. Oh. It, it looks like something from a sort of gynecologist uh, sort of laboratory. <laughs> <laughs> Is that where they work? I don't know. It's don't kind of. It's so. kind of. It's like I, uh, any gynecologist listening. Do you have a laboratory? What do you <laughs> keep in Failed experiments. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like a. It's like some kind of dungeon thing. It's really odd. It's apparently got so big that he couldn't perform. Um, and so this chair is like it's got stirrups, it's got things. Oh, I see. Yeah, you mean like that? You mean you mean you mean the gynecologist's sort of surgery, or that's the one, not a laboratory. They're not doing experiments (laughs) on them. I thought you meant like the no things in formaldehyde or something. Yeah, well, it would look it would look out of place in a dungeon. Put it that way, it is odd. Okay. Thanks for um, that. I mean, that's a nice little advertising yeah, yeah, yeah. tip off before and we he get used yeah. to. Um, and he also he used to write to his mistresses and ask. Uh, his thing was, uh, "Can I come round for some Japanese tea?" Which mm. was a euphemism, not a very well hidden one, because he liked having his tea served by them whilst they wore a kimono. Mm. Okay, that's less exciting. No, I know. 
Um, <laughs> he peaked. Anyway, like like uh, like the man himself, I imagine. Yeah, and then fizzled um, out. <laughs> but he was good. He was. He sounded like good. Like he would sound much more fun than Queen Victoria. And mm. um, and he likes to drink. He likes yeah. mucking about. Um, and, and King's Queen, Ginger King's is Ginger. available. Mm. Um, well, well, it's available in lots of miles from Malt Whiskey Exchange. Get on Amazon. Waitrose Silvages. It's all. It's about. It's about twenty five quid. Well, one of the oh, so drilling's about to start again. Just as I oh, okay. chip in on that, um, yeah, that's uh, the, what he said. Hey, he was into his drilling. Uh, the, one of the uh, the uh, things that people have been saying to us about our podcast, thank you for listening. Uh, a bit of feedback was they wanted to hear where to buy these things a bit more, and if possible, the best price to get them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we've, we're going to become a bit like the money saving experts of yeah. Uh, in of these the pod world, yeah. uh, so I believe from from our extensive research that Amazon is actually the cheapest place to get it. You can get a bottle of the King's Ginger on there for twenty four quid, and Amazon is fast becoming Ben uh, a, a rather useful place to buy your alcohol. They do seem to have all sorts of deals. I know, so, I know. Uh, well, I mean, they can. Feels... I mean, you can get it from Waitress for twenty four as well. Okay, I mean, that's good. I mean, that's uh, good. I mean. Oh, it's a difficult one, isn't it? There's there's other places, Distillers Direct, you get it twenty two ninety nine. But then you've got postage and packaging, you've got your taxes, you've got your well, labor. this is it. If you're on builder, Prime, I was give you say, a price. If you're on Prime, it's twenty two ninety five and you'll get yeah. it by Friday. I mean that's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, let's not talk too much about what that means for the planet and the workforce. No, just uh, all the loads of other shit with it. <laughs> yeah. Get get some other shit and uh, uh, and that's probably the best price. But it's good gear, isn't it? And it's quite easy to use as well. You don't have to it's have really it versatile. In a cocktail. You can you have can it lengthened just... with soda in yeah. a highball. You can have it in a hot toddy like you can have it with cider. Mm. It's loads. It's it's really good gear. It's one of those kind of very versatile liquor. I like quite a lot of other liqueurs that that don't really uh, that that are quite sort of straight jacketed by what, how you can use them. This is really versatile uh, yeah. and it's great stuff. And they've um, uh, and uh, if it's good enough for him, um, yeah, God knows it's good enough for our pod listeners. It is. If you don't like the sound of a ginger liqueur, then Queen Victoria liked uh, whiskey, and uh, the Loch Nagar Distillery is next door to Balmoral and is now Royal Loch Nagar after her mm. visit. So you can get that. And um, I did a little look on the price for that as well, Ben, because I'm really I really care about our pod followers. Yeah. And um, the cheapest place to get a twelve year old Royal Loch Nagar at the moment is the Whiskey Exchange. Oh, good reason to get it there though is you can get it with an engraving. Isn't that really? nice? That's yeah. nice. Yeah, isn't that nice? So you can get an engraved bottle of Royal Loch Nagar. So you could get it engraved with I don't know, Prince Harry's name on it. Maybe. To Meghan. To Keep Meghan. going. Well, I I've deep dug further into the royal drinks, Ben. You're going to be surprised by this because what's going on? Oh, oh yeah, no, but I, I I wondered what Meghan would be drinking because uh, Charles likes his whiskey, but mm-hmm. I wondered what uh, Meghan would drink, and apparently she likes an Italian wine called Tignanello, uh, oh, right. which is very fancy posh red wine. Oh, jeez. Uh, yeah, Oh, she's such a bitch. She's such a bitch. She's such she a really bitch. likes expensive. Oh, there she is, probably paying. Who pays for that? 
us. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. their book deal, probably. Yeah. Um, it's produced by uh, Marchese Antonori in Tuscany. Um, they've been making wine for six centuries there. It's the Chianti region of of, uh, of Tuscany region. Um, and it's a big red. You'll probably get it from Wine Direct for £180 a bottle for 2018, oh. Ben. So... Um, that's pr- probably well, that's not typical. one for those that is typical experts. Yeah, it does sound a bit extravagant, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah, just like Megan. But it's a big red. If you do like the uh, big reds and you've got 180 quid to spunk on a bottle of red wine, then it's quite an aromatic one. Flavors of red, red fruits, sour cherries, red fruits. I think. Oh, oh, I, I think. I think. Guess what? Fine time it's, what? it's hot during the day in the uh, Chianti region and then at night it gets colder. Well, it, it, I was going to ask you this question, Ben, because I did a bit of reading around this red wine. <laughs> right, okay. And, I, and I, was, I, I wasn't sure what I could... I, I, I just thought, if I'm going to buy this bottle, what would I? What on earth would I have on the table to eat with this? So I thought, well, I'd better go Italian. to the best of the wine writers. Wait, wait, wait. wait no, and I'm going to a... test you. I'm going to All test right. you here. Then I swear I, I'm not, I, I didn't know. I, you, didn't you, yeah, you didn't know. This is all a big surprise. Okay. Because Ben, um, as we know, is not a, a master of wine. Uh, he's not no. an expert. But... Uh, but uh, and it, we God knows wine writing is is really hard. I mean, um, I mean, the guys who those wine writers they're a different level. They are they're so they're different they're level so because different I mean each week I will read what they've got to say about the wines and yeah. Oh God, I mean, where did they get the phrase? I don't know. So here we go. The uh, one hundred and eighty pound bottle uh, from the right. uh, Marchese Antonori uh, yeah. vineyard in Tuscany. Yeah, I know well. Uh, yeah, two thousand and eighteen. Two thousand eighteen. Uh, it's a red, big red, sour red, cherry. Right. Red. What on earth would you pair it with? And then I'll tell you what. The and how broad do I have to be? Just general types of uh, food? Or you can say dishes? one, two, three, four, five things. Um, okay. And if it's one of the suggestions. If I get three of them, is that proof that I, wine writing is essentially bullshit? I don't think you'll get, I don't think you'll get two of them. And I'll explain why. So okay. you go All for right. it. I'd go, because uh, it's Italian, I'd go uh, like rich pasta dishes. Okay. I'd go uh, red meat, I reckon they'd probably put in there. <laughs> okay. You've beautifully summed up four of them. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I'd go... I'd With the umbrella term. Uh, <laughs> veal, yeah, red meat. Beef, lamb. <laughs> so I'm going to give you it. Yeah. Give you veal, I'd go... Um, I, as I'm reading asterisks at the moment, wild boar, wild boar, um, wild boar, um, and uh, and I'd say if they're really showboating, cheeses. <laughs> they don't. They just. They don't go beyond meat, actually, which is quite unusual. Really, this person. So if you're a vegetarian, don't spend. Don't bother. But they also put poultry in there now. No, I mean, well, I it's about think, poultry. I would say game, maybe game, game, game meat. Birds, but yeah. uh, poultry just says, well, I've only got veal, cured meats, which is very general, beef, yeah. lamb, poultry. <laughs> so, like, wait a minute. So, it goes with all of the meats. Wait and, a minute. Uh, I mean, it's just. Does such... it not go with a. Uh... Does it not go with like a fruit salad or something? Yeah, like that? It probably does. It probably goes with ice cream and with cornflakes. Goes with anything you want because, let's be honest, wow. wine writing is well easy. What hashtag wine hashtag. writing is well easy, guy. Yeah, 
so there you go. Just a wow. couple of other royal drinks because we probably won't return to those. Yeah. Peasant. That's what she's probably going to be drinking with it. Yeah, yeah. She's shot from the balcony in uh, LA. <laughs> I don't know, wherever they are at the moment. Good for them. Keep going, guys. Yeah. It's fun. Uh, and he was a maverick, wasn't he, Harry? Which brings yeah. us on to our second reason to drink this week. And we'll be a bit quick with this one because we've, like the Royals, been a bit overindulgent with yeah. the first one in terms of that extra bit that Ben wasn't prepared for. Um, but the second reason to drink is in honour of... Uh, Marco Pantani, who is certainly not as famous as Prince Harry, uh, not least because he's sadly no longer with us. Uh, right. He died um, on uh, sometime in 2004, but he was only 34 years old, which is very sad. But he was a cyclist, and um, and we like cycling, don't we, Ben? So every we love cycling. We like to mention it on the podcast. He was a professional cyclist and perhaps one of the most maverick of all the cyclists, so a bit like Harry in that respect. Um, he did die at the age of 34. The coroner's inquest revealed it was acute cocaine poisoning, which led to his uh, massive heart attack. And he died alone in a hotel where he'd been for five days and not really seen anyone, which is really um, cheerful, cheerful yeah, stuff. for that. <laughs> it's just... Um, <laughs> this is January... And if you did feel you were going to do that, do it with someone else. Come on. If you felt you were overindulged at Christmas, um, then, you know, now's the time to cut back a bit. And uh, and Pantani's tale is one of woe and warning in many respects. Yeah. I mean, we're um, commemorating his birthday, aren't we? On we're 13th. commemorating his birthday, not his death. Um, and uh, yeah, but if you did do too much cocaine over Christmas, you know, just, just, just back off, guys. Come on. It's not big or clever. No. Um, we love cycling. It's great sport. Pantani's written into the uh, the pages of the history of Pantone. France and Giro d'Italia. He was an Italian, um, one of the most famous Italian riders in history. And uh, and we love cycling. And now, you know, as we get into those sort of January months where we're all trying to lose a bit of weight, mm-hmm. Ben, you could lose a bit of weight just by shaving off that moustache, I imagine. It does, uh, didn't it? And then... Um, then this is a time get out on a bike maybe. Although, yeah. Although well, we're, he's, we're I'd, I'd to work hard <laughs> to get down to his weight. He were he uh, weighed. He was five foot seven, um, and he weighed fifty six kilograms, which yeah. I don't think is very much. No, he was a very. Um, in, I mean, he was in a stone. Very, I'm looking that up in stone. Man, not helped. Uh, I imagine by his lifestyle, which was all that's basically eight and a half stone. Yeah, I mean that's, that's if you right. are trying to shed a bit of weight, he is a lightweight. That's probably ambitious for all of us. But uh, but cycling is a great sport, and uh, and if you're looking to do something uh, energetic, we like it because you can go out for t- two or three hours on the bike, and it gets you further away from home and, and your family of your problems. So uh, that's what we like about cycling. You get there quicker. But, yeah, Pantani, great sportsman, one of those sort of sportsmen who, who arrives on the scene and he sort of burns brightly. What's the saying? Burns brightly, burns briefly. Um, it's like a like, firework, Tom. Yeah, like a firework. Uh, like Gaza or uh, Mar- yeah. Maradona. Um, Shane Warne. Shane Warne is a good one. Warning, mate. Warning. Uh, John Daly, the golfer, he's a good one, isn't he? Um, yeah. Any others? Yeah, someone who... Uh, someone in... Uh, isn't it in that Elton John, Candle in the Wind? Is there no lyric from that where it's like, 
you oh princess brats and princess diana Nice. Mother Teresa, Mother Teresa, sandals in the bin. <laughs> anyway, so he was a bit like that. For a start, he didn't like um, downloads or performance analytics, which we are on board with. Oh yeah, they are boring, 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 boring. Um, he came onto the scene in 1994. He made a, a kind of an instant impression in the Giro d'Italia, uh, climbing up mountains on a mountain stage. No one saw him coming and he won a stage and everyone thought, bloody hell, who's this character? And in 48 hours, he'd sort of gone from unheard of to an Italian, at least an Italian household name. And he went on to become one of the most famous Italian sportsmen. Um, So they absolutely adored him. Mm. And a lot of his peers in the sport found him remarkable, his, his ability to go up the mountain and come down it quickly which is really the objective if you're trying to win the race i mean he was very he was very good at going up hills on he bike. was very good that was kind of his thing and his sort of death-defying descents um and, and although having said that in 1995 uh he, as he was going a bit too fast he, he hit a four-wheel drive car on the, in the in the Giro d'Italia and broke his leg and actually after coming onto the scene in 1994 and being this massive huge star overnight in by 1995 he was off the bike and doctors were saying he'd never he'd never walk properly again much less get on his bike so he sort of lived his life like that from there on after really he was sort of ups and downs a bit like a bit like the mountains oh yeah yes yeah yeah yeah. um uh, so he came back in 1997 uh and was looking like he he was remarkably going to to have a a big success and get on the podium in the giro but then he hit a black cat uh again which had luck on all sorts of levels and uh but then in 1998 he came back again and then he won the tour the tour de france and the Giro d'Italia, um, which it was a, a double that only seven riders before that had actually managed to achieve. So that was a massive deal. To do those two uh, grand tours in one year uh, was an extraordinary achievement. And that's really what cemented his legend as one of the greatest sportsmen on the planet at the time. I think we the thing we love about cycling is just as an endurance sport, there's nothing really like the Tour no. de France. And... Um, and so to have achieved that and the Giro in the same year was a massive deal. But but he was also, I mean, he's one of my favourite riders. Um, it's a bit, he he had a bit of a hinterland to him, didn't he? He wasn't just, because you get quite a few of these suckers. That's all they've got. They're just into cycling and they've got nothing else to really yeah. say. I think he's, he, in that he was, con- I mean, yes, he was, he was, uh, he was a wooer of ladies. Bit he like, was, um, he was a ladies man. Uh, he was a painter. He was a painter. Uh, he's yeah. a poet, and he pl- apparently used to woo Lady Serenade, the chicks. Uh, his his word, not mine. Uh, he serenaded chicks with his guitar playing. Yeah, I, and he it, had some cool nicknames as well, didn't he? he did. Ele- Elefantino, which the is Italian one. for Dumbo. I yeah. think he's got massive ears. That wasn't to do with the wooing of the ladies. It was no, to do no, with no. the fact that he was <laughs> he was quite a thin chap, and he had a he had a he Big had ears. rather. Well, I mean, I don't think if you look at pictures of him, they weren't actually big ears. He was just bald and thin. Mm. And if you're going to do that, then your ears are going to look big in the the the, the, the context of maybe. The I mean, maybe that's not why he's called Dumbo. Maybe it was no. I think, with I think it might have been something to do with the ladies. Let's hope so. Uh, and Nosferatu was another one, wasn't it? Yeah, of his sort of rather gaunt, thin face. Um, but he named himself 
uh, El Pirata. El Pirata. The Pirate. And if you've even seen a passing interest in, in cycling and seen pictures from the 90s of a man wearing a bandana, that was Pantani. He had a bandana, he had an earring, hmm. and he Didn't had a saddle with a skull and crossbones on it, didn't he? Yeah. So he, he didn't, did I mean, he should have really talked about with a, he should have done it Tour de France with a power on his shoulder. <laughs> that would <laughs> be fucking was, cool. I mean, he did have a broken leg, so you could say yeah. he, he had a bit of a peg leg. <laughs> uh, so, um, and we like, we like him for all of those reasons. Unfortunately, he he's also been held up as a bit of a poster boy for the whole doping scandal. Yeah, and, and in yeah. fact, he carried he carried a lot of the at the time there was a lot of it going on. Um, but he seemed to become a bit of a target for it, and uh, he he was the one who was punished the hev- most heaviest for it. Uh, Nineteen ninety nine, he did fail a blood test, so it's fair to say he he, he was doing it. Yeah. Um. But uh. But that's one of the con- controversies of him. Uh, he didn't always follow the rules. Um, there's a really good book. If anyone's listening to this, and I'm sure they are, and they think, I'd like to know more about that guy. Well, there's a book that we didn't write. It's uh, Matt Rendell's book, who's a great sports journalist. And that is a really good book, but it's all it's a very good book about the, the sort of the history of doping in the sport, uh, which is quite quite it's interesting in itself, but it's also quite upsetting. Anyway, so he got banned in 99, but then he came back again in 2000. He kept going up, kept coming down, going up and down. And he, in 2000, was famous for a, a stage where he took on um, Lance Armstrong. Oh, another yeah. uh, another clean athlete. <laughs> uh, well, another prominent opponent yeah. of the old Persian well, rugs. What we like about Armstrong is uh, he... he he, he he just went. He he was honest about it, or wasn't he? He went down with humility. Uh, Armstrong. Anyway, they fought each other on the on the bikes on uh, Mont Ventoux, Ben, which is a, oh, obviously that. a stage that we know very well. Is that the one where I took you on the last the last bit? Yeah, um, you didn't. <laughs> you didn't. I nearly died. He did. Uh, so yeah, uh, that was that was really his last hurrah. I think he was then found guilty of. Uh, Sporting fraud and uh, yeah, it was it was a rather depressing final descent for his life, wasn't it? It was because he he was a bit of a hero, and then this all kicked off, and he hit hit him pretty hard. Yeah, and what I find that what helps is when you're feeling when you're feeling put upon and down in the dumps, is you hold yourself up in a hotel room for seven days and just do loads of gack. Yeah, well, there were also also about four or five different types of antidepressants. So I don't think it was was sort of trying to still achieve those ups and downs of the mountains while in a confined hotel room. But there was some of his painting was found in there as well. And it really is, if you have a chance to look into his painting, it was quite quite telling of his mental state oh, yeah so so you know it was it, there were some funniest times yeah <laughs> i liked it when he was his... getting run over by a jeep and <laughs> yeah, he drove his own car the wrong way sped down a one-way street <laughs> and there's a picture which you can also find on the internet with him shaking a policeman's hand with his uh mercedes suv parked on a a red car in the background and he'd hit eight cars in one hour and then come to a stop on a, on this one way street with his car parked on top of someone else's. So there is some, there is some, 
joy yeah. in in some of his behavior uh but mostly we love him for that cycling and the fact that uh, he, he didn't he didn't really follow the rules he's a bit of a rule breaker yeah yeah there was uh, no tactics he just went he's called pac-man as well wasn't he because yeah. after the way he used to eat up his opponents on on the on the on on the steeper sense he just just gobble them all up yeah uh no he was good it was good yeah. he was a character you need more characters in sport. Don't oh, yeah, yeah. Just, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So need more characters. Was, uh, back in the day, you could, oh, you know, you could That's what I was saying to anything. my, uh, I was saying to the builders earlier. Oh, yeah. We were talking about it. We need more characters in, in building. Oh, there's not enough characters, you know. Yeah. Uh, so in his honour, we're going to have a cocktail. Uh, it's called the Bicicletta. Ah, oh, see what uh, you've done there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's, a, it's a cocktail that uh, originates from the 1930s, apparently, uh, from a part of uh, Italy, northern Italy, Lombardy, which is where there is a statue of uh, Pantani, sits at the peak of the Plan di Monte Campione. Plan di Monte Campione. In northern Italy, uh, where he, uh, one of the scenes of his famous victories. And, um, and yeah, this drink apparently takes its name after uh, a, a drink you could enjoy while you're on your bike, although uh, there are people seeing, seeing wobbling on their way home after overdoing it a bit. Don't do that. No. Uh, but you can enjoy, if you are drinking this month, which I hope you are, because dry January is such well, a depressing month. Yeah. Please don't that's give up that's... alcohol. Just drink less, drink better throughout yeah. the year. Four and then you can units. enjoy uh, this cigarette. Yeah. Uh, and it's made with 50 mil Campari. We'll put the, uh, the, the recipe up. 50 mil Campari, 75 mil of white wine, and then top with soda water. And you can build that in a glass over ice, which means you pour thing, one thing after the other over ice, finish with the to- soda water. You can wine glass it, or you can use a highball glass. And uh, the main drink there is Campari. And Campari is one of the great red drinks uh, available to uh, to you. Uh, one of the... Uh, after red wine, there aren't many red drinks, really, are there? I don't know. Uh, I don't know why I said no. it's one of the great red drinks, but I it is red. Vin, Vin Mariana, yeah. I mean, we, yeah. Could, we could list yeah. red drinks, but I think... I don't that, know. That, that. Uh, the last list and left. <laughs> it's a great drink. And today, you'll find it for £15.50. £15, what is it? In say. Morrison's. In Morrison's, yeah. uh, the supermarket. If you don't have a Morrison's near you, then it's 16 quid in Tesco. Um, that is good, man. But that is a man, very, 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 very I did know Campari was that good value, Tom. Well, it's not. I mean, that is a few quid cheaper. It's on special in Morrison's. That's a good few quid cheaper than Sainsbury's or Waitrose. Um, uh, if you want, if you want to go the other way and sort of you know Campari and <laughs> pay above the odds for something completely different, uh, then there's a, a drink called Tempus Fugit Gran Classico Classico mm-hmm. Bitters. Um, and you'll have to dig around for those. Um, you'll find them on specialist online shops, and they cost about 30 quid, so almost double the price for something that's a slight interpretation of Campari. But, yeah, £15.50, I mean, you've got, to, you've got to say, that's one of the best value drinks on the Morrison's shelves. you've got shelves um, and then, and then you just have to have white wine, 75 mm. mil, which means you've got a lot left to... To pair with white wine, um, mm. what could you pair white wine with potentially? So I'll give you <sighs> cured uh, meats, cured poultry, meat. and beef. Apparently, no, no, no. White <laughs> wine, you could do uh, poultry, fish, creamy pasta dishes. Uh, what else? Seafood. They often say that, don't they? Goat's cheese. Go for Goat's sort cheese. of the finer uh, cheeses. Yeah, yeah. yeah. cheese straws. 
Yeah. Uh, peanuts. Can uh, um, crisps? Can someone send prawn us a cocktail? Master- prawn co- prawn cocktail. Send us a master of wine <laughs> certificate. Let's just cut the crap. Let's just get it. Yeah. Uh, well, actually, to be fair to great wine experts like Sam Caporn. Yeah. Uh, who no, it does require. Under join us again. It does um, a bit of expertise, yeah. but you know. But mostly it doesn't. No. So uh, there we go. Campari or the bicicletta is our other drink we recommend in honor of the great uh, Pantani. And uh, God rest his soul. God rest his soul. So there we are. Lots of drinks, lots of deals. Brilliant. Lots of weird reasons to drink them. Uh, another exceptional podcast. Oh, I mean, it's, if we don't win an award for this, Tom. What's going wrong with the world? Yeah. <sighs> All right. Okay, then. Um, I'm going to go and... I might go and wax my moustache now. Try and give it you a do that. more volume. Yeah, I'm going to go and talk to the builders. Uh, they don't need any more volume. <laughs> no. See how much I owe they're them loud, today. They're loud enough. See how, the, see how the budget's changed <laughs> in the last two hours. Ah. <laughs> I mean, also, talk. just uh, while you're on... Uh, we are uh, we're back on tour at the end of uh, beginning of Feb, just a tonic Nottingham, London Leicester Square. Uh, 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 well, no, second of Feb, uh, no, third of Feb, sorry, just a tonic Nottingham. Nottingham. Yeah, 9th of February, uh, we're in London's glittering West End at Leicester Square Theatre. We are, and that's a Thursday, so uh, no excuses. Thursday, Thursday. Yeah, no excuses because and then we're in say, Harpenden, well, your hometown. We're in my hometown, Harpenden. Uh, all the dates and all the that's uh, the 25th details. of february so yeah. that's towards the end of february and i'm very excited about that's selling very well thank you to the people who live locally but if you're in the hertfordshire area come and see us there uh yeah and you-, you know what big thanks to all our new subscribers on our our uh virtual tasting club our spirits yeah club, our thinking drinkers club our thinking drinkers spirits members club we've got many names <laughs> this product like, if someone could like email us in with just a specific name for the club yeah, we keep calling it something different every week <laughs> i think the thinking drinkers spirits club is the leading name so far. i like thinking drinkers club just so it gives us a bit more opportunity scope. to branch There's out into orange water. squash and uh <laughs> yeah uh, but there's loads of new members aren't there ben there so are. if I you're not already joined if you have joined and you're listening to this we'll have our first tasting on the first thursday of february um, yeah. and uh yeah if you haven't joined join quick get on with it next packs go out so that's that okay all right we're here Thanks next week we'll everyone. see you next week folks when my moustache will be even better and Tom's house will be even worse. All right, love you. Bye. Cheers. Bye.